Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart. And you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. This is episode 120. And today we're talking about a bit of cross country and running smells. And actually not a whole lot else. It's not not really much going on this week as it turns out. But what we're going to say is we wanted to give even more time to a fantastic guest, Louise Butcher. And we'll hear from her later. Yeah, definitely. Louise was absolutely fantastic. It's a really, really good interview. And she's been doing the rounds with her interviews. Like every, I was doing some, I was looking up for the Bullshit Running News, doing a bit of prep for the show. And I think she's got, um, I think she's got an interview on Runner's World as well, like a print interview and stuff. So she's mm. just everywhere at the moment. She's, uh, so we're very honoured to have her on the podcast. Her busy, very honoured. A busy media tour that she's doing. So, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, hear more about topless running later on. Mm. Uh, not much from the last episode, not even that much going on recently that we wanted to be annoyed about. We were trying to think directly before the episode. Is there things we're annoyed about? And I'm not sure there are. Perhaps have we complained about everything now? I was going to say, like, life's too good. Like, life's fantastic and there's nothing to complain about and every day's a blessing. But So you're yeah, miserable maybe. then, that means. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that doesn't work maybe, for you. Maybe it is a case of, like, we just run out of things to say. <sighs> Bye, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the podcast done. Bye. <laughs> ah, let's talk about tea instead. We can always talk about tea. Ooh. Yes, we've partnered with Bird and Blend Tea, which means we'll tell you what tea we're drinking. And if you like the sound of that, you go to runningisbs.com forward slash tea. Click on the links and buy tea if you want. We're not going to force you. It's okay. It's of your own free will. Stuart, what are you drinking? Uh, not anything right at the moment, so hopefully this still counts. But I did have some monkey chops earlier, which is like a black tea with a bit of banana. I mean, it's mainly like a banana tea, but it's not like, you know, don't think of like banana flavoured stuff. Because banana flavoured stuff always tastes like shit. This is like nice actual banana in there. It's got a little bit of coconut, a little bit of vanilla. And it's just a nice kind of fruity sweet tea. It's very good. I need to get some of that. That does sound good whenever you mention it. Yep. It sounds like right up my alley. And don't forget, and don't forget to get your advent calendars. There are still Christmas advent calendars available on bird and blend fantastic for you or fant- what a lovely gift for a tea drinking friend of yours uh check out on our website runningsbs.com forward slash tea have a click on the link buy some advent calendars the advent calendars are very good i noticed somebody tagged us on instagram saying oh remember that your halloween advent calendar starts soon mate i've already started opening it i, I don't yeah, like we- I've already started and it is very good because not only was there tea in there, I haven't opened all of it yet, but um, not only is there tea in there, but there's also like the, the little paraphernalia that you need to make the tea as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah we, we said on here we didn't actually understand. It had 13 doors and it was Halloween. We didn't really understand what to do. Actually, on the side of the box, it says start it on the 19th of November and open one every day, which we both entirely missed. So we're just opening one wherever we want. Yeah, yeah. Because just, we can. Yeah, when I want to, I just think, oh, just open a little, open a little door. Today, though, I'm having um, not one from the Halloween advent calendar. I'm having strawberries and cream matcha. I want to say a latte, but it's not a proper latte because there's only a bit of milk in there. It's sort of how you make like a normal cup of tea. That that doesn't really count as a latte. So it's just a matcha tea with a bit of milk, splash of milk in there. It's very nice. Matcha makes you sound very fancy, doesn't it? It does. It does. But matcha is, uh, it sounds fancy, but as long as you make it right, like with your matcha, never make it too hot. That's what ruins any green tea, actually. Never make it too hot. You have to make sure it's like sort of 80 degrees sort of thing. Um, But yeah, it's very, very tasty. Cool. Amy, what have you been up to? Not much running, actually. Oh, God. It's going to be a short episode, man. (laughs) I had a cold, so I caught caught a cold... um, 
last week, like a really nasty cold as well. You know, when you get a cold and you're like, oh, you know, this is probably just allergies. And they think, oh no, it's not allergies, it's a bit of a cold. Oh, hopefully it'll only last a few days. Full on like 10 days. Like, Do you want to just let us know when, you, when you're not feeling ill? I mean, that'll oh, save a lot constant. of time. Constant. It just it just revolves around my various like long term il- illnesses. Then every now and again, like a, a normal illness will also come in to join the chronic illnesses. So it's always that's a nice surprise. I'm actually I'm, you can probably hear a bit. I'm still bunged up right now. <laughs> oh, <thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> Hope everyone had their headphones nice and loud for that. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was, but I am still quite bunged up. But I'm back running this week a bit, kind of, a bit knackered. It wasn't COVID. Was testing negative for that. So yeah. Yeah, I had a week off running for that. Still testing um, for COVID, nerd. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I have seen quite a few people have had COVID, though. Seems to be everywhere at the moment. Um, I feel like we're back in 2020 with people posting their, like, tests with the two lines on and be like, oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I did test for it and it wasn't COVID. It's just a regular cold, just a regular boring cold. Like, what is this, 2019 or something? Who cares Go about yourself. a cold? I know. So, yeah, so that was last week. It wasn't very fun. This week, a bit more exciting, still not running related. Took my first ever driving test. Passed it, mate. Passed it. No worries. First time. Done. Yeah. Oh, first time. Annoying. Did you pass first time? Nope. How many times did it take? Three. Three? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. No. You see, yeah, that, I just rolled up, just did it. Just passed it. Easy. I don't know what everyone's going on about easy i don't want to wait you to, to, to bring it back to me uh, i think the reason is because i did it when i was in at uni in preston and the, i didn't drive on those roads as much oh god so yeah, it was yeah. it was things to do with the roads there's some roundabout issues there's some junction issues and i didn't know like those particular things and that's that's what i'm blaming on so of course of course so, yeah. that'll be that'll be it but yeah so pass that first time which is fantastic because when i first started learning to drive I was 17, which is, I think, 16 years ago now. Excellent. And it was like, what, like 15 pounds an hour to take lessons? It's not that anymore. I'm, I, you know, it's not that cost anyway. It's very, very expensive to learn to drive yeah. now. So I was, I was very So is that also why you passed my time? Because you've had 800 lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my driving hours, like 800. No, I have, I have, uh, I did... When I say I started learning to drive when I was 17, I only had like sort of 20 hours worth of lessons and they stopped. I haven't been learning since I was 17. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so, but that is great because it means that I can start entering races that are a bit further afield and I don't have to sort of look up whether I can get the train there. And then I think, oh, I can get the train there, but also I'm, I'll need to run three miles before the actual race to actually get to the start line. Mate, you must owe some lifts. I don't, I know, I must do this. <laughs> If, if I only owe anyone a lift, then just let me know and I'll come pick you up like an Uber or something. I think people are going to be calling in the middle of the night being like, uh, Amy, remember that time I did this? Right, come and get me. And you're like, yeah, fine. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So yeah, so that's it. Not re- kind of running related. It will it will help in terms of my running life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't done anything really running related for the past two weeks for reasons beyond my control. So. Oh. Yeah, what have you been up to? I've done a shitload, as usual. Uh, it's always opposites with us. Had a really big weekend last weekend. I did cross-country, first fixture of the season. That was really good fun. And what made it even better was I had someone in my club to race. Like I, I realised for me, what really makes a race for me, what makes me really enjoy it, is if I've got someone to race against. And most, mostly if I beat them. Because a lot of the running stories I tell when people talk about you know good races are when I've beaten people who are better than me. Those are a lot of the stories that I tell. 
But this one was um, someone that's fairly similar to me, but reasonably new and much younger than me. And there was two, I took to cross country and racing against and you know we got a few k in i looked back and i could see them they were behind me i thought okay they're gonna fade away now that'll be fine and i was just like having a nice little jog along through the woods and at 7k he caught me up scott place his name he caught me he just got alongside me and said hi i was like shit what are you doing here <laughs> and i literally kicked away from him i thought well, i got 2k to go i do not have a sprint finish but he doesn't know that so I need to get away from him early. And so there was little lumpy bits. I thought, right, I can do this. But as soon as it flattened off, I knew he was going to catch me because he's young. Um, but as soon as there was a few little up and downs and there was like a bit rougher ground, I knew I could get away from him. So I And he caught me up again on a hill. So I had to get a kick away from him. And then the finish straight was about 200 meters, dead straight, flat grass. And I was just running terrified for my life because I did not want him to overtake me. Uh, again, what motivates me pure pettiness and spite i could not let the new boy across country overtake me and beat me um so i just had to keep running and he just about got alongside me but i think i beat him by a meter in the end and he did point out because it's cross country you get points for your position it didn't matter what position we finished in the club would have got exactly the same number of points and it wouldn't have made any difference i think we got basically the same time maybe a second difference but i just had to make the point put the new boy in his place I mean, next time he will beat me, almost certainly. But just for that time, I had to make sure. But that really, really made it for me. So that last 2K was a really good, hard-fought battle. Um, those are the kind of races that I really, really love. So I enjoyed that. Um, and also, then the next morning, just to make it a really tough, fun weekend, uh, went up in a van for Sunrise, which, as it turns out, is full of people. Like, we got up there, um, head torches on to start with and kind of off about halfway up um we got to the top there must have been 25 30 people already up there it's a nice big kind of plateau on top at least you don't feel crowded at all it's not really nice people just all stand around the edge and the sun rises over the uh, mountains so everyone's there taking the photos all the dogs running around uh it was really nice lovely and cold at the top as well i did make the mistake of on the way there on the way walking up and down uh, i wore the trousers that i bought to go to the arctic so they were like super insulated trousers because at the top oh it was God. minus five at the bottom it was not minus five and i had to walk up like 500 five six hundred meters of elevation my legs were sweating i felt trap like, it all in as well didn't oh trap yeah it like, i felt yeah. like one of those people who's gone on like some weird diet and wrapped cling film around their legs it was yep. like that i was just like trudging to the top and on top at least i got to kind of put my coat on and put the hood up and kind of stay nice and warm then on the way back down sweaty legs all the way down couldn't i didn't have anything underneath so i couldn't take them off i had pants obviously but i couldn't take them off and like just have my shorts or whatever so i was just oh it was nasty and it was just for a walk i felt so hot and gross after that nice. and then when i got home went for a long run as well that's how hardcore i am that is. So it's about 15k so that was a, a a good a good weekend's worth of actual training perhaps we can call mm -hmm. it that and then this morning, I uh, went to Park Run, went and did Aberbeek Park Run. And the annoying thing about Aberbeek Park Run, it's a lovely park run, obviously, because they all are. Everyone's lovely at Park Run, and there's never anything bad that ever happens at Park Run, as we all know. But this one starts under a bridge, which means your watch does not get GPS. And I, I want to I talk to someone about that. I mean, the problem is, it is an out-and-back course, and like the... The cone you turn around at the end is right at the end of the path and there's nowhere else to go. So they kind of have to start under the bridge. But it meant, well, I started, hit my watch and it said something about no GPS. I thought, oh, that's fine. It will just pick up GPS and it will go. And then I happened to look at it over a kilometre in. It said, do you want to start now? I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, yes. So I missed over a kilometre off the beginning of my park runs. That's very sad for me. 
I feel like they've done that just to fuck with you. They have, yeah. I, I feel that should be a complaint made about the team or perhaps even a hate crime. Definitely. Although I don't know if I should, perhaps I should escalate this to, to the police or not. Mm, yeah, I, I, I think you could, yeah. It's, a, it's, a one, it's not a 999, certainly. It's a 101, no. isn't it? Yeah, or even like the online sort of submit your, your yeah crime probably yeah. Thing. yeah okay yeah okay I'll, I'll I'll do that straight after we finish recording thank you okay okay so let's move on and hear from our guest our guest this week is a breast cancer survivor who ran this year's virtual London marathon topless to help empower other women who have undergone mastectomies Louise Butcher welcome to running is bullshit. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Good. Great to have you here. So to start off, could you tell us a bit about your running journey? So what got you into running? So initially I started because I had health anxiety, ironically. Um, had it for years. Um, I was constantly at the doctors thinking there was something wrong with me when there wasn't. It was all... Um, in my head well it wasn't in my head I thought it was you know health anxiety is really it's it's awful um so I started running because it sort of helped um my mental health so I kind of did it inconsistently so I do like um a few little runs a week um and I just carried on and then I watched the London Marathon on the telly like you do and went oh I so want to do that and then I started training properly and I sort of like got better and I did more runs and then around about six months into it was when I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow so how did that affect your training because spoiler alert you did go on to to do that virtual marathon didn't you yeah so so what was your sort of reaction to that and and how did you process it and how does it impact on your training how did you carry on having having got that diagnosis? So in actual fact, the, the the training helped me with the whole mental health surrounding the breast cancer. That's the only thing that kind of got me through as long as like family and friends. But the focus of I'm still going to do it got me through the surgeries and the radiotherapy and the whole darkness. And because it was kind of like, as long as I'm running, I'm not dead. I'm all right. I feel good. Um, even through the surgeries because the surgeries aren't nice and obviously when I had my first mastectomy I didn't jump out of bed the next day and start running down the road it took it took about three weeks to start running I had to do it slowly but the the process of doing that made me feel like it was productive and I was getting better and I was healing so the whole exercising with the endorphins with my mental health but also physically getting better so it, it really actually I think if I hadn't had the marathon to have that focus at the end of the whole cancer treatment, <clears throat> I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have got better as quick mentally and physically actually. So were you only like six months into running, like from nothing at all when you got that diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you you were still really on that really beginner stage that everything's yeah. kind of, it's still a bit tough, but everything's improving all the time. And yeah. then to have that stop, that was really tough, yeah. isn't it? It was really, really tough. But the toughest part was the cancer over everything else. Even like I've done marathons and they're not great sometimes, like the last one I did. But the worst bit was even losing my boobs was nothing compared to thinking, oh, my God, it might have spread. I might die. I might not have any time. That was just terrifying. I've never, ever 
I think that's why at the, mo the way I am now is totally different to the way I was because I just never been through something that horrendous. I, it was just, and I luckily have come out of it, I think, unscathed, even though I haven't got any breasts and because I'm still alive. So, and there's people who aren't and that. So I always think like that. I always think, well, I am just so lucky. So that, that's mm. kind of like my mindset now. It's why I kind of do what I do as well. Mm. I guess it makes the, the running a lot easier then, doesn't it? Because you think, well, this yeah. is easy in comparison. Oh, yeah. piece, piece of cake, <laughs> like in comparison. Well, it, it is, it is actually. But I did a marathon um, three weeks ago. I did like a, a, a local one, the Barnstable one. And it's the first time because I've only done the virtual ones. You run, obviously, you do the 26 miles, but you're on your own. Whereas I did this with other people, but they were such amazing runners that I was like at the back anyway. So I might as well have been on my own because they're all coming back. Um, and it was horrendous, but amazing <laughs> because um, I got sick uh, at mile 16. So I was constantly even and being sick. And no. it was just horrendous sickness. And I was dehydrated. I had to have a medic run with me for two miles. I was on the floor. But it, was, it was nothing compared to that journey last year. And I remember at my worst point in the marathon, I was sick all over me. I was topless, I did a top, it was topless <laughs> run. And I was even, and the and these strapping guys were running past. And I just thought, what am I foot like? And I'm even <laughs> and all this sick's coming out. And I was on the floor and I thought, this is nowhere near as bad as last year, even though, and then when I got back, I was explaining it to people going, oh my God, it was amazing. And then I was sick here and then I, and then I couldn't hold my water down and I was dehydrated. And they were going, that sounds horrific. And I was like, oh, no, it was amazing. <laughs> oh, you know, what? you're on the right podcast. That's You're straight yeah. in with, with a sick story. I love it. And you're right. Normal people don't understand that kind of thing, do they? No. Oh, my God. They don't. They just look at you like you've gone mad. And I'm like, but I think it was the whole, because it was so, I mean, I actually think, like, I like horrific things now. I like getting through them and knowing that my body can be challenged especially as the cancer thing taught me that because my body healed no matter what it was like I'm healing I'm getting through this and then all my mind had to catch up with that which is where the running came in and no matter what your body will heal unless you die it will that's what it's meant to do so in a way when I'm running the marathons and that happens I know my body can do way more than I think it can and I think that's what keeps me going because I'm like Oh, because the medic even said, do you know that that is quite dangerous where you were at at one point because you weren't keeping down water. And I ran about probably about six miles dehydrated by then. Um, and she said, that's quite dangerous. I went, oh, no. You don't know dangerous. You don't know dangerous. I kind of knew. I kind of knew my body would be all right. I don't know. It was a weird, it's a weird feeling. It's like you have a lot more trust in your, in your body. Mm, yeah After yeah cancer. yeah um so you mentioned the topless running there uh yeah. so how did you decide to go topless what was the sort of was there like a light bulb moment when you yeah. decided to do it oh totally it was totally spontaneous so I'd done um I'd done the virtual marathon six weeks after the surgery the first one that was like hard and then the second one was in April this year and all my friends and family, well, a lot of my family had gone up north to visit someone who was having a 90th birthday and I, and I couldn't go because I was looking after my son or he was at some rehearsal and I wanted to do the marathon anyway. And I never, I didn't really tell anyone, but about three days before I'd organised a little event at the end where there was, I'd get the cameras there, spotlight, our news 
television company would be there and I got like a, a, a man on stilts and everything like that. <clears throat> but I just, I woke up one morning and I thought, I knew, I, I know about raising awareness and I've read so many things about mastectomies and how people um, feel like they have to have reconstruction because society norms, but yet they still come home or if they wear fake briefs, they still come home at night and they can't look at themselves in the mirror. And I thought, this is so wrong. Why, why, when you don't need breasts, really, do you? You don't need them. They're for feeding babies and you can feed them with milk. If you lost an arm, you might need your arm, you might need your leg, but you don't really need breasts. So why do you need to put them back? So I was like, well, I just, and I just thought, why don't, to raise this kind of awareness of flat closure being something that people really should do, or if they want to do it, feel brave enough to, how can I get that out there? So I thought, oh, well, I'll just run topless. And it was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I, I got to my friend, my two of my friends are waiting at the start of the marathon. And it's the first time I'd uncovered myself apart from my husband and family. And, and I'd done a film as well. So, but that hasn't gone out yet. Um, and um, the two friends, it was their faces that, it wasn't me finding it hard to take the, it off. It was their faces on what they were seeing because it's more the other person's reaction, not the way you feel. Um, and when I took it off, it just felt amazing. It felt so empowering. Yeah. I felt unbelievable. It was like I was making my own rules up. There was no um, there was no rules to it. People couldn't react in a way maybe that you would think they might say something because you're a breast cancer survivor, so they can't really say anything. It's just what they look like. And then I watched everybody's reaction so I could see what was going on in their heads. It was um, it was just the best thing, and I'm so glad I did it. So glad. I bet it feels good as well because often when I see like a warm day or whatever, like men running topless, I'm like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. I bet it feels lovely, like the breeze and stuff. Like because, like you say, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast about sports bras and boobs and stuff like that. There must be benefits as well. It's not having a lot of money saved with boobs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's so many benefits. There's so many. I honestly would not go back to having breasts not in a million years, especially being a runner, because it's so free. And like, as when you're a runner, obviously, you know, you're outside, you're connecting with nature. And a lot of that is the reason why the endorphins are there. But when it's on your skin, and obviously women never really get this, because they can't just run, run around with the boobs out because it'll, it'll hurt. It's just so free and the breeze here. And then when it rains it, and all the water just drips down and you just feel more connected to the outside. Um, obviously you've not got this jumping up and down you haven't got nipple problems there's no chafing um, it, and yeah it just feels brilliant I love it I so love it I just wondered like when you've been doing that kind of around your local trials links is there any ever any part of you that when you see people's reactions you worry what their reaction will be or whether you feel at risk somehow because I guess if generally if women did this I think they, there's there's a risk there of you know um uh, yeah I've just you know women being topless in society is not a normal thing and might feel kind of threatened by men is that something that's ever gone through your head no it, it's actually the opposite I actually feel less vulnerable without breasts which is really it's a strange feeling because it's not like I feel like I'm a man or I've changed I'm still a woman but without them you ju- I just feel as me I can't say about anybody else because not many people run around topless but it's just, I don't feel vulnerable in the slightest. And I don't know whether that's come from the whole, I've, I've kind of lost my um, 
fight or flight from the cancer because when I walked into the office so many times to find out it would spread and things like that, the bar was so high that, I mean, I've jumped out of planes recently and all sorts because I have no fear. So I'm not sure if that comes from there, but I do feel less vulnerable as a woman without them. I don't know. They just seem to, because I had lots of different sizes of breasts because I put weight on and lost weight. So I had big boobs. I had small boobs. I was known for my boobs because I was always um, playing keyboards and singing. That's what I used to do for a living. And it was all about your image. So I was kind of known as, I used to wear cat suits and everyone used to know, call me pert because I had really big boobs and everything. So I, it was kind of who I was. So, it, and people used to stare at them and it was like annoying. So now I haven't got any of that. It's just me. It's really odd feeling. It's just, um, and now obviously the running as well. It's like when you're running without them and you're running, the running is strength. And when you're running sort of, at a pace, you feel quite strong anyway, don't you? I mean, you've got your endorphins running around in your head. And without the... I don't know, it, you feel like a warrior. Yeah, I bet seeing the that range of reactions on people's faces within a few seconds as you run past must be quite entertaining as well, of like, that's really strange, yeah. but no, it's okay. But it, is it okay? But I'm not sure. And yeah. just like, you can yeah. see people like, wait, hang on, this is not normal. Yeah, and it is, it is like... Um, it's like, what have I just seen? I don't know what I've just seen. Yeah. Am I supposed to see that? Um, I'm not sure. I'm, well, how am I supposed to react to this? Yeah, should so I you look? Can see I, should I, going I, I shouldn't look away, but then I shouldn't look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be honest, now, because I run around, I've done six months of topless runs, probably more stairs around where I live. Everybody's kind of used to it now, and that's why I did it, to normalise it. So a lot of people who see me like, oh, that just there's Louise, and she's just, and it's a normal thing to them. So it's not the same. Um, as if I run some I mean not everybody knows but it's not like I run around and all like so I do get reactions still obviously on social media you get a mixture of what's going on which is amazing I I really like it the discussions going on and the I don't I don't look at it as negativity and when they don't like it and why they're saying why is she doing this and it's all about this that and the other I think it's good because it shows the stigma it shows that um, society isn't doesn't get it some you know there's a lot of because i mean babies aren't born um if they saw some scars they'd be scared it's conditioning isn't it it's like i don't want to see some scars i don't it's not oh you know it's like um you don't see it do you people running down the road showing big scars across their chest but what made me do it was my daughter who was six at the time when i got breast cancer she um she asked to see them and I never didn't show them. And I said, all right, okay. I didn't say, oh, you'll be scared or anything. I just went, okay, and showed them her. And she didn't flinch at all, didn't bat an eyelid. And the reason she didn't is because I didn't, and I didn't show an anxiety. I didn't hide them. I didn't cover them up. So to her, well, if mum's not worried about it, neither am I. And that's why I thought a lot of people say, oh, it's going to traumatise kids when they see her. No, it isn't because... If you're running around happy and you're like, what's traumatic about that? Do you know, it's only when you're like this, oh, don't look at me, oh, that's the trauma, that's the the anxiety you're passing on. So it that, that's another reason why I did it. I just thought, um, you know, it's good for everyone to see it. For Also, if you do get breast cancer, it's not as traumatic because you've seen, if you go flat, this is what you look like. And you mm -hmm. still get on with your life and you can still run and you can still do marathons and... You know, and you might be like you might have a better time as a runner as well afterwards. So there are some benef benefits afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I used to um, I used to get nipple rubbing and bleeding and all sorts. But 
not that I did it like marathon wise, but when I, if I did do it, it would be like, yeah. So it's so much better with that. And as I said there, what I really love about the interview there is like, she's, she's not even not playing by the rules. She's just making her own rules up. And I just really love that because I just, I, you know, as I said, I keep thinking of like people's reactions to her and all the things going through people's head of like, that's not right, but it is all right. But why shouldn't it be all right? But, and it just, yeah, I absolutely just love it for that. And she's not like in anyone's face. She's not doing it to make a big point in a way. She's not like looking at me, you know, shaking her finger, like, look at this. You should understand what she's just doing it because it's just mm. what feels normal and natural for her. And it's just brilliant. I really love the, the positive side of something that was obviously so horrific you know mm. they, you know most of us if we think of like what's the most horrific thing we can imagine to happen to is that's what that's one of the most horrific things like getting cancer and having to go through that um but on the other side of that she's now in a position where she can run topless which i'm sure a lot of women would think must be like an amazing feeling not having to worry about your boobs which are always a pain in the ass when you're running and be able to feel like the wind the rain whatever on your skin that must feel amazing so although she's been through something that must have been so difficult and tough and horrific there's this there's this amazing thing that she's also got out of it on the other side as well which i think is fantastic yeah, and there was a part of me that when you first uh, suggested her to me as a potential guest, I think I just, it was like, I think a BBC article, something like that, mm. you sent over to me. And I my first reaction was, oh, I don't know, just because I thought this is something that's really heavy and serious. And I don't want us to inadvertently make light of it because, you know, we do dick around. We talk about stupid things either side of the interviews. And I kind of don't want to make light of it. I don't want to downplay it. But actually then when I started watching her videos and I see her saying things like... Um, Oh, people are asking me when I go for a run, how do I keep warm? Well, it's fine. I just wear gloves and a hat. And she, but she's carrying on running topless in the cold rain, just with just with hat and gloves on. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, right. She's cool with this. She's very, you know, yeah. she she very much understands what it is and is happy to laugh at it and herself. So I was like, okay, yeah, mm. great. Absolutely. Very good decision. And we've got even more from her a little bit later on. For now, you can support the podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit. You can let us money every month if you want. Uh, just for fun, this week on the song, we've done a duet, which always makes things much more complicated. But uh, for reasons I'm not quite sure of, I'm doing the talking bit and Amy's doing the singing. So what could possibly go wrong? Lisa Gibbon, Maria Wicks, Kiara Evans, Viola Greff, Angela Foster Swales. Matt Lees. Dawn Shepard, Catherine Fenton, Tony Howells, Nikki Genders, Penny Simpson, Gordy Thelwell, AP, Adam Baker, Victoria Dick, Raymond Quinn, Brian Simpson, Rachel Bullmore, Francis Howell, Rich Scrime, Noms Dawson, Claire Dean, and Neil Denton, Sophie Nichols, Matt Newby, Debbie Hurley, Rachel Bentley. Alice Newstead Vicky Robbins, Daniel Broad, Graham Ackland, Andy Robbins Tom Alcock, Karen Hamilton, Sophie Jacks Matt H Jewel Running, Adam Atkinson Mine, Catherine, David Irwin, Nikki Jones Matt Jones Jenny Tamasebi, Catabagel Hardman Jason Spinks, Carl Fleming, Ruth K.P. Sandra Heinzer Gail Seald Martin Josie, Matt Caffin, Ian Hales, Sherry Grubbs Clark Kilmore, Ivor Hewitt, Matt Burrows, Matt Jesiorski and Marinda Murray-Hines Julia P. 
page Victoria Magnus Elizabeth Shaban Jonathan Carter Karen Blake Larry Warren Anthony Howe Liz Reese Len Martin Paul Ibbett, Bernadette McCarthy, Shambolic Avril, Steve Robson, David Yellowman, Teetle, Lee Wood, Jake Ryder, Erin Shaw, Sherry Kinnison, H. James Lampert, Claire Davis, J. Howes, Gregory C. Elliot Lyne, Lou Daniel McDonough, Don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. Yeah, really do, because as I said, we've run out of things to complain about. We need more things to complain about. Yeah, you need to pull your weight a bit more, guys. Like, we're relying on you to make these podcasts. Give us money and also give us content. Yes, absolutely. It's like paying for an app and then still getting ads. Or like watching Netflix. Paying for Netflix and still getting ads on that. That's what we are. We're as bad as that now. Yeah, come on pull your bloody finger out and get on with it uh somebody who did just that and provided us some content was john parry at home in sheffield after he, that's at as in like their their handle is home in sheffield he's not, not just, just at home in sheffield he might be just, <laughs> the good got very alan partridge there um after hearing about the drop from you me and two mates had a crack at the manchester run the most fun i've had whilst lost what we didn't get in time we made up for an adventure thanks for the recommendation that's funny because you know we must have mentioned the drop ages ago and Mm. um i think they followed me on instagram not because i'm cool or special i think it was just like a advertising thing um and i followed them back because it sounded quite interesting i think i saw i've seen some videos recently of their their races that have been going on um recently and it does look pretty cool like it does look quite exciting just to catch anyone up on this this is the race where they pick you all up they blindfold they put you on a coach blindfold you take your phone away and then they drop you off something like 12 13 miles outside a city and you've got to get back to the city center generally to Mm. across the finish line so with no maps, no GPS or anything, you just have to know the area, which means it really needs to go somewhere that you know, and they don't do it in Cardiff yet. So perhaps we need to like mm. badger them a little bit because I feel I like do, I do very well at yeah, that. It... So I would really enjoy that. So um, yeah, that looks like a fantastic race. I really want to do one of those at some point. And definitely watch, go and watch on their Instagram because some of the videos of the start is great because everyone's sort of released and everyone goes different directions because yeah. I'd assume that people, there'd be quite a few people going in one direction if they've sort of thought, right, okay, this is the, the quickest way. But people really go, like they just they just spike, they spread yeah. out everywhere. It's and brilliant. then if you don't know where you are, you have to think who looks the most confident that I can yeah. follow. Yeah, exactly. Love yeah, it. I think so. if, if you're in Cardiff, message them and say, bring it to Cardiff. And if enough people do, then hopefully they'll, they'll come here. Absolutely. Uh, also, we've got a question that we put out on Instagram. And this is at my girlfriend Holly's insistence. And she said this was a very good question that we hadn't asked before. So we put out an Instagram story to ask people, what is your favourite running smell? (laughs) Now, she really loves this question because she always goes on about how much she loves the smell of farms and haylage 
which apparently is a real uh, world. That, that's a horse girl thing. It's Freya a horse was girl saying thing, that when we were walking yeah, stage. She's like, I, I was thinking, it smells like shit around here. And Freya's like, mm, I love that smell. It's like just horse shit. Now, she's, she, again, she's insisted that I'm not allowed to say that she really loves the smell of horse shit. Apparently, it's haylage. Oh. Um, that's what they say so they don't have to clear it up so when it's, ev- when it's fucking everywhere over the footpath and you're standing in it and your dogs are eating it you can't say well clear it up because they'll be like no no it's just hay and grass it's fine it's not it's not poo we don't need to clear it up it's just, it's good for the environment so she loves talking about <laughs> the smell of farms when we run through them so she wants to know what everyone else's favourite running smells are mm-hmm. we had plenty of replies such as these normal ones that we think we can all agree with so the things like freshly cut grass the smell of a forest lavender pine trees autumn leaves wild garlic bloody love the smell of wild garlic i love garlic full stop so wild garlic Mm -hmm. smells amazing and that smell when it rains which danny norman correctly named oh god petrichor 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 maybe and Angela Foster Swales went for cut grass, the sea, and magnolia trees, which sounds like she lives in some kind of Bronte novel. Magnolia trees. What are magnolia trees? It's just I don't know. It's a type of tree, I guess. But it's just it's a bit it's a bit romantic, isn't it? The sea, <laughs> the smell of magnolia trees. Beautiful. Also, petrichor sounds like a Pokemon. It does. There yeah. must be one called that. It has a special smell move. Special, no, rain move, because, you know, like a water-type Pokemon, you can make it rain and it increases, like, their attack, but also makes them more susceptible to damage from, um, of course, electric-type Pokemon, but reduces the damage of fire-type Pokemon, so you've got that too, so... Amy knows that shit. I do. Uh, There are also a lot of food-related smells, which I might add Holly was not at all on board with. She didn't... She doesn't like those because she doesn't have the food. So she doesn't like Mm. to smell food if she doesn't have it. Um, So we had people suggesting things like running past a curry house, Sunday roast, chocolate, a brewery, croissants from a cafe, and bread. Those are all pretty good smells. I like a food smell. Mm -hmm. Same. Same. And then a couple of absolute psychopaths, such as fake Ben Hall, said diesel exhaust. Mate. And Shal or Chow 106 said aviation fuel on a crisp cold morning. What? Do we think these ones are like sniffing glue when they get home as well? Aviation fuel. Does that smell different from just petrol then? Uh, well, I guess so. Loves the <laughs> loves the smell of that. Where For do you some live? reason. I think, well, they did say on the, I think as well, they live near an airport. It makes sense. But even but... so, that's not a good smell. But also, are you close enough to the airport to smell the fuel? Like, isn't that a security risk? Do you live <laughs> in the airport? Are you living in Terminal 5? What's going I on? I just don't think people should be like sniffing diesel and, and fuel generally. That doesn't seem like a good thing to me. But I will say, one of my first thoughts when I thought about this question was... Um, when I used to uh, live in a small village and I used to walk to the bus stop down a little alleyway um, and it had sort of gardens either side and fences and the smell of the varnished fences when they used to varnish the fences, oh, that was amazing. I think that would be one. I haven't smelt it running yet and I've only actually smelt it because I think it was a narrow alleyway so the smell was sort of like was really intense. I've only smelt it like that in that particular place um, in my childhood. But if I smell that when I was running, I'd be like, yeah, that, that's my favourite smell. Is that just because people and you like those smells because you're off your tits? You're a little Probably. kid walking through like fresh varnish. Mm. Big old yeah. huff of that. And you're like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Got to school yeah, with yeah. your eyes like red yeah. and streaming. I mean, I would say that they would explain a lot, but passed my test, my theory, my uh, my driving test first time. So, you know, didn't do me any damage. Didn't do me any yeah. damage. I do quite like a run where you go at like five, six o'clock in the evening and you can smell other people cooking the dinner. I do quite Ooh, like that. That's quite yeah. satisfying. Because I know I haven't got the dinner, but I'm probably going to get home and have mine. But it's just like nice, just like running down like a residential street, terrace street or something like that, and just being able to smell everyone's dinner. That's quite nice. That is a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, I used to get that as well when I lived down in um, Cardiff Bay where there's loads of restaurants and I used to run through there and you could smell like all the food in the restaurants. I was like, oh yeah. Mm. Uh, This is not a running smell because this is a very old one, but um, used to be like a long time ago in Norwich, there was a literally a chocolate factory in the middle of Norwich and like it would just smell of like warm melted chocolate to the whole city. Oh, that was so nice. That was such good. I think when they knocked it down and built a shopping centre, they should have like put something in to put that smell out carry on because mm. that was that was a that was a piece of heritage that that, that mm. i'm not sure if their heritage smells but there should be mm. oh i've just thought of one that i've actually had when i was actually running um i think it was a club night actually when i used to the bygone days Oof, when i used to back. come to club and it was it was bonfire night because i remember because it was like really cool because all the fireworks were going off as we were running but as i was running there as to club um i could smell like bonfires as well mm. Like, oh, a dark, crispy evening smelling like wood smoke, but not too close, like from a distance a bit, but like the smell of bonfire. Oh, that was very good. Very nice. Very nice. I think generally we're going towards, like generally food smells for us. Food and chemicals. Food and chemicals. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All the plastic people are putting in the bonfires. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to more from Louise and why topless running is now such a huge part of her life. You mentioned social media as well. Do you have you could you post a lot on social media about your topless runs? Have you been censored yet? Because I see some women who have had vasectomies or um or like sort of surgery where they've reduced or gotten rid of their breasts and they'll post topless pictures and social media will censor them because they're women, even though they're not showing boobs. So have you had much censorship on social media? No, I haven't. I haven't had any pictures censored in that way. The only po- there was a post that we had down here. Um, it's like a it's like a North Devon news post, which um, is quite a large post. And I'd put, I think, what well, something had gone on there that I was going to be on um, the ITV News West Country, and just thousands of people commented on it, and it just went viral. And then it ended up around the world, and all these people commented, and that kind that got took down. And then it got put back up again. And then I was like, why has it been took down? And then I think people had just got so behind it that it got put back up. But I think a lot of it is the algorithm anyway, isn't it? It's not someone sat there t- pressing a button, it's the whole, but that, but nothing like picture-wise has ever been taken down that I put, and I've posted a lot of topless pictures mm-hmm. um, and nothing's been taken down, which is, yeah, because a lot of people do say to me, why are they not getting taken down? Because, you know, some people have and it's been taken down. So I find that a little bit quite strange, but good. I think things are changing on social media, though. I think it's I becoming more so. acceptable for women to be yeah. topless in general because they are just they're just boobs at the end of the day. Yeah. So I yeah. think more generally, it's becoming more acceptable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's so interesting. It is so interesting, especially like the one on Tyler. Is um, the comments on there are, are brilliant? Um, I mean, they're not all nice. They're not pretty, and they're not. If you, I think, if I didn't have a thick skin, you know, you could be affected. But I don't look at it personally. 
I look at it like a whole that, you know, I'm not the only person who's had mastectomy. I'm not the only person who's got flat closure. So those comments aren't to me personally. But the fact is, is the more that it gets normalized, the more those comments go away or they will eventually just not really matter. So it's more about sort of like getting them out of the way. This is this is this person doing this. And then it all becomes easier in the long run. So it's it's not really about me as such. It's about the cause. So I don't really get affected by the negativity. And what advice would you give to other runners who have recently had a similar diagnosis or are undergoing treatment for cancer, breast cancer or, or more generally? I definitely say keep running, definitely. Because, I mean, I think that's what kind of kept me sane. It's the, well, it's the only thing that did. Because even though you've got your family and friends around you, it's <clears throat> they don't really understand and the running sort of gets you in your space and it's what you were good at and you can still be good at it even though obviously if you're having surgery you can't do it you have to do it slowly and get back into it but it just gives you that good feeling again that you people run for that the endorphin and the and the and the on the whole getting better and it is actually a fact that any kind of cancer treatment exercises is, is a treatment isn't it yeah fitter and healthier you are for any kind of uh, illness is always going to help you in the long way it's going to help your recovery and also yeah. you know it, it's, it's a goal as well it's something you can get back to something to aim for like you I guess you had the marathon like right I'm going to do that marathon and here's yeah. what I need to do to get to that yeah that's it definitely so I definitely recommend keep running um yeah uh, and a lot of uh, your videos uh, that I've seen as well you're you're very very big on you know obviously making sure you're always checking for breast cancer as well i mean do you yeah. want to just kind of give people that kind of speech now as well because that always yeah. needs to be heard isn't it oh yeah definitely so what was really strange about my cancer as well it was lobular cancer which is in the lobules which is where the milk's made and um, ductal is the more common one but it's mine was the second most common breast cancer but hardly anybody had heard about it which was quite strange but it doesn't show up really well on scans so i'd had a mammogram um three i'd had a mammogram in march last year and it was clear. And I got a letter saying, oh, it's all clear. And I was like, yeah, I'm all right. And then I'd gone in the shower about two weeks, three weeks later, and I'd had a really good feel, like you do. And I'd found like a little tiny cyst on the left there, which did, I'd had cysts in the other side years ago, and I thought it felt a bit like that. But it just felt a bit harder. So I thought, and I didn't, I wasn't worried, but I checked. And I thought, well, I'll go to the GP. The GP said, I'm not worried either. She was not worried. But she sent me for peace of mind, because obviously I had health anxiety. She sent me for peace of mind to the breast cancer clinic. And then when I went there, they did an ultrasound, not a mammogram. And that's when they found, they found like five little lumps, which were all connected together. And there was five centimetres of it, which didn't wow. show up because I know. And it was right near the chest wall. So what lobular cancer, in, instead of growing like a big mass, like a lump lump, it's got little tiny lumps which all thread like into like a spider's web so it grows through the um the tissue and it isn't seen in the mammogram with the light it's, it's, it's apparently it's because it's got no adhesive so it doesn't stick together so it just grows in little lines and threads um and that's why it didn't show up so the feeling is really important even if you do have mammograms you know if you think you are oh, having a mammogram i don't need to bother you do and also another thing is lifting your arms up because I remember I, I lifted my arms up and it was like puckering sort of pulling in not really bad but a little bit of puckering and dimpling obviously where it threaded in it pulled in the skin 
and another lady who'd had the lobula had a nipple going inward. So that's quite common as well with that type of cancer. Or to be honest, I think with any type of cancer, the nipple can go inward because it's pulling the tissue in. So those sorts of things, not necessarily just thinking, oh, I'm having a mammogram. They're brilliant and everyone should go for one, but you should also check as well. And that's for anything, not lumps necessarily. It could be thickening of the skin. So even if you're, it feels harder somewhere on your breast, not like a lump necessarily, just a hard thickening or dimpling or going inward or nipple inward or discharge coming out the nipple or anything. To be honest, anything that just looks different than it did, that's pretty much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So our final question is, what is the most bullshit thing about running? So I think the most bullshit thing about running is when you've, when you've done a long distance and it's the sickness. It's got to be that that whole awful nausea. and then Growing up the all over yourself. <laughs> and that has got to be, the, that's got to be the worst bit of it. Even though it's amazing, it's still the worst bit. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been lucky. I don't think I've ever really felt particularly sick in a really long race I've done a few ultras I've never kind of been sick I've never had dodgy bowels or anything so I think I've been quite lucky so far yeah you is that quite common you're not trying hard enough no well I'm losing toenails all over the place but not my lunch yet oh see I don't get that I don't get that not yet all right I haven't done an ultra yet though so we'll see got that to look forward to yeah ultra topless ultra would be good yeah oh yeah you need to carry a bag then that's a yeah, that's the thing, but I could do like a waistband. Oh, yeah. Massive waistband. Yeah. yeah, some people do have those, don't they, to be fair? Yeah, that would yeah. ruin the look otherwise. Because that's what really impressed me, actually. You know, you said, in a way, I'd almost expect, like, seeing, like, the videos and things, you seem like someone who's been running for 10 years and has done everything, and then this happened, and you said, fuck it, I'm just going to carry on. But you're actually still really new. You're only, like, like what, 18 months in? That's still yeah. pretty new for yeah, most people. Yeah, pretty new, pretty new to the marathon scene. I mean, I did a little Straight bit Straight into running. the marathons, yeah. Yeah, it was little bits of running here and there, but I was inconsistent. So I'd do a bit of running here and there and then I'd stop for a bit. And then over COVID, I put weight on. And I remember it was after COVID, so I went, oh, I've got to lose a bit of weight. And then I thought I'd get back into running again and it would stop and then I'd stop. But that was, it was literally when I saw the marathon on the telly. I mean, I've seen the marathon on the telly loads of times, but it was just that day. It really went, oh, God, I so want to do that. And that's when it, it kind of set me off, really. And now I can't go a day without running. I feel really low. Um, if I don't run, I'll be like, oh, and I get all jittery. And I'll be like, I just, <laughs> he's so weird. I'm literally like, I've got to go for a run, I'm going for a run. And then I'll come back, a totally different person, like in a really good mood. It's brilliant. Covered in sick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Louise. That's fantastic. So where can people find you on social media? Um, so I, my Facebook page is public so because I do a lot of my awareness stuff on there. So that's just Louise Bernadette Butcher and you can find me on Facebook. And then my Instagram and TikTok accounts. Well, my Instagram's connected anyway um, and I'm on TikTok as well. I think my TikTok's at Louise Bernadette B. Um, but yeah, I use that a lot as well. And I post all my, all my marathon stuff. There's a lot of my marathon finishes on there, which is good. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll be sharing you. you. uh, Yeah, people will be able to find you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been brilliant chatting. And thank you once again to Louise. Can you imagine going for a run with Louise, like a really long, perhaps you're doing an ultra with her, 
and like everything hurts and you're aching and tired and you want to stop and you start complaining to her and she just looks at you and says well it's not that hard and you'd be like all right <laughs> all right you wouldn't be able to complain about anything would you no because nothing can be as bad i mean that's great it's great for her because like she was saying in the interview you yeah. know she always thinks nothing is this bad nothing yeah. is this but bad. motivation for her is amazing yeah. running yeah. with her oh that would be tough <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't say anything would you You're like, yeah this is fine this is fine <laughs> Yeah, can't wait to keep seeing more from Louise. And she's going to be doing the London Marathon next year as well. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. And check her out on her social medias because she posts some really great videos. So. Yeah, yeah, they are very funny videos. Mm. The bush is news. First up, we have a story about the clothing brand Tracksmith, which actually I hadn't heard of before. I don't know whether it's mainly an American thing or whether I'm just not in... The sort of circles that wear Tracksmith. It's well, I think it's because it's for good runners. Exactly. I, as yeah. as we're, spoiler alert, we're going to go into that. But I think it's, you know, I don't think it's for the likes of me. Um, but they've stirred up some controversy with the launch of their BQ singlet. So this is basically a singlet reserved for Boston Marathon participants. So you have to sort of qualify for Boston Marathon first, which, of course, as, as most people know, is, is notoriously difficult to qualify for. You have to be quite fast um and then you also have to sign up for boston marathon as well and, and then you get access to buying these singlets um and tracksmith have been selling these singlets since um 2015 and it's always been slightly polarizing because it the whole point of it is that it excludes people it's exclusionary you know that's kind of the point um but this year the launch of the 2024 singlet on instagram was particularly contentious uh, because their caption opened with the quote, this is not a jogging race, which is a quote from the former Boston Marathon co-race director, Jack Semple. And it's um, and they say th- some other stuff in this really long, rambly caption about, you know, this singlet is something, it's something along the lines of it's harder to harder to get. You know, it's really hard to earn all this like that sort of that sort of narrative mm. um so so yeah there was like a massive outrage the uh the post itself i think had 1500 comments and they ended up taking it down and then issuing <laughs> an apology Ooh. which is like bro if that's your brand like stick to it Do you know what i mean yeah, it's either like, your brand or it's not come yeah, on yeah yeah like part of me is like i kind of get it like if they want to create a singlet that you can only get if you run boston marathon and be like oh this is not a jogging race and because yeah i guess it's boston thing, marathon boston, isn't it's, it's, bo- yeah that's yeah, what i was not. thinking like it's not a jogging race. Yeah. it's not people it's not one people really do for a bit of a jolly i mean i know there are it's charity elitist. places yeah. there are other ways to get into it but it is a quick race and that's that is kind of okay not every race has to be a park run you know where it's hmm. available for every single runner some races can be more exclusive because there's room for that, I think, in the market. So I think in a way, yeah, if you qualify for Boston, you qualify for the singlet. That's, I don't see that as being too bad, but it depends how they word it. And by the sound of it, they didn't word it well. No, no, I think it was just maybe that would have been OK and would fly in 2015, but not today. Mm. And I don't mean that in a everyone's bloody woke sort of uh, gammon sort of way. I mean it like, you know, we, we're, we're more aware now of when we're using so there's certain language that we don't and certain phrases and certain ways of putting things we don't need to put it like that we can say yeah this is exclusive for boston qualifiers without yeah without shitting being a dick on about other it. people and without, yeah, without yeah. shitting on slower runners and know? just without going too far and make because I, I just can 
I can picture it in my head already. Like they were just like this, the, the most toughest race there is. Like everything has to be the toughest race. Everything has to be harder and just like yeah, you just need to calm down a little bit. You don't need to do so much hyperbole about every single thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the narrative, which which bugs me a bit about the narrative around running fast is it sort of equates running fast to working really hard and training really hard. Yeah, that's true. You know, and firstly, some people find it easier to run faster than others, just genetics, you know, mm-hmm. genet- genetics in terms of any sport, if you've got a certain predisposition, there's a reason why Olympians are Olympians, because genetically their predisposition is towards that, you know, because, mm. you know, I, I, I saw a quote from somebody the other day that said, I'm not, I, I didn't become big and broad because I played rugby. I played rugby because I was big and broad. You know what I mean? There's mm. a genetic component to making you slightly better than other people. Fair enough. Um, and yes, a lot of hard work goes into running fast. But there are some people that even if they put in a load of hard work, might not be able to run too fast. They might not want to. They may be good, maybe better at doing longer distances, etc. So I think like the whole narrative of if you're not a fast runner you just haven't worked hard enough is kind of shitty you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's kind of a shitty narrative so yeah i get it i i think it, i don't see the issue with having exclusive clothing that's just for boston qualifiers whatever i don't care i think it's just how how they spin that and how they frame it um the other thing as well was there was a bit of outrage was around not just the singlet but the larger issues that people were seeing with the brand so with tracksmith um such as its limited sizing options so women's sizing caps out at a 32 inch waist and extra large 32 inch waist extra large that's quite small i mean that's i I have a 32 inch waist yeah am i an xl now yeah for for a woman like an xl 32 inch waist that is very because it's one thing to say okay so a lot of clothing a lot of running brands and sports brands don't carry the the much larger sizes and that's an issue and etc um and that is an issue but 32 inch waist as an xl that just seems a bit yeah that that seems a bit much i don't yeah, know it says in, noted, yeah. that's a, the equivalent of a size 12 yeah a, which, a, size 12 i, I, I think i roughly XL. know what that means and that doesn't feel like that should size be size 12 largest. is probably about my not the listeners will know but for your sake it's probably about my size like i'm between like a 10 and a 12 probably so me they're, they're saying i'm an extra large yeah but it says dress size and i can't I imagine i don't wear dresses in, in a dress in any way <laughs> no no they mean they do mean clothing that that's just a term i just had a like, quick look the average dress size in the uk is 16 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, so wow, like you know, I, it, so I get that. Yeah, limited sizing options. It's not just limited in terms of they don't go up to XXL or whatever, which normal size XXL, etc. It's the fact that the XL is thirty two inches. Like that's ridiculous. Um, and also, they also feature predominantly thin bodies in marketing, which I guess they'd have to if their XL is <laughs> yes. a thirty two inch waist. Or else, who's going to wear their bloody clothes? Um, <laughs> So yeah, because that's the other thing, this whole thing about like runners have to be or assumed to be really, really thin, you know? So I mm-hmm. tried to think like, what would their extra small or small size even be? I don't even know. Ooh, um, yeah. 
So yeah, so that was the other sort of uh, criticism around the brand itself. I mean, I'm always in two minds about this. Part of me is just like, crack on, let them get on with it. Don't give them your money. Give your money to other companies that are better um, and more inclusive. But at the same time, also, I'm like, well, these are the message they're, messages they're putting out there on social media and stuff. So if they're putting it out there, then people have the right to sort of say, well, this doesn't seem right and this isn't very inclusive. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is just reminded me of something. It's not really a new section. This is just like a little opinion interjection here. Uh, something I saw about messaging, and it was from Dragon's Back. Now, obviously, we, we do really like the Dragon's Back. It's a good race. But it calls itself the toughest mountain race in the world. Yet another one of the races. Toughest mountain race in the world. And they did a post last week from uh, one of the runners who completed it. And it was all about how she's just a normal runner. She doesn't do silly mileage. And just with a bit of dedication and hard work... Uh, anyone can do it i'm like so is it the toughest mountain race in the world or is it a race that any normal runner can do because it can only be yeah. one of the one of those two things and when she says i don't do silly mileage i want to know what that actually means because yeah. for me if somebody said oh i don't do silly mileage for me that would be say a 30 mile week tops you know that hmm. to me but i doubt that i bet they're like looking at sort of 40 50 yeah. 60, 100 if you miles completed a week, dragons yeah? back and you know even i mean even the hatchling is hard but it's not as tough but if you completed the full dragons back you're not a normal runner you are no. a very good runner and you should take that as a compliment you should be proud of that and i think the race should commit a little more because it says toughest mountain race in the world commit to that that's there's no problem with being in a hard race like we said in boston there's no problem being a hard race or a fast race mm. you just need to kind of own it a bit more and be open about why it is that way and why you've chosen that mm. and you know be able to you know push people in different directions if that's more suitable but it, you can't be the toughest mountain race in the world and a race that everyone can do mm. I, I think that the message should be that it probably is achievable to the average runner if they do the training that's needed for it it's yeah. kind of like ultras and stuff anyone can run an ultra you just need to do the training that's needed for the ultra like not anyone could do an ultra if you're just doing sort of 15 miles a week or whatever but if you do the training for it anyone can do an ultra and i imagine dragon's back is a similar situation where if you gave yourself like kind of like bended if you give yourself two years really get stuck into the training if you started out as an average runner, then yeah, I, I reckon you could complete it. But not just sticking to your normal routine, quote unquote, not doing silly mileage. I don't think you could complete it then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I even think, you know, a race as tough as that and some other races, things like the spine or a race like that, mm. you might put in two years and you might do as as much as you can. But as you said before, you're just not going to be that good. You're not going to be able to complete it in the time allotted. Because the thing, yeah, you might be able to complete the race, but not within those time limits. Like, mm. I thought, someone asked me about, oh, do you want to do the Dragon's Back? And when I said no, they looked surprised. I'm like, well, no, because, like, I would have to spend literally two years of really hard work, mm -hmm. and I'm just not willing to do it. Because at the end of the day, I don't think, I still don't think after all that, I would be able to, because it yeah. just seems too much and again that's fine it's mm. just too hard for me there's plenty of other things so i was just mm -hmm. yeah just that kind of messaging it just seemed a little bit confused to me i think people yeah. are a bit scared of saying they're difficult yeah I, I think the key is like it's okay for things to be exclusive and quote unquote like quite elite or whatever it's it's like when you're framing that though you don't need to shit on other people you yes. don't need to say we're really tough you can't just do this you can't just sit on the couch like it's like you can just say we're really tough it's a really tough thing to do you yeah. know if you do it That's make it. sure you are prepared that kind of thing yeah no you don't need to shit on other people yeah. to get that message across okay back to news news 
Two half marathon runners, including the apparent winner, were disqualified for wearing other people's bib numbers at the Kielder half marathon. Organisers said the person who crossed the line first committed a serious breach of the rules and deprived the actual winner of a moment of glory. The second runner, who had led the race at one point, used a female runner's number. Now, despite being warned twice, he took part in the run before being persuaded to stop before the finish. I believe this is someone who emailed in advance to ask if they could use someone else's number. The race quite rightly said no, and then he did anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not even really cheating. That's just being a dick. And it said in the article like he was he was like persuaded to stop before the finish. So were pe- I assume people were like on the people who were volunteers and stuff or race officials were telling him to like stop. Like I, yeah, I presume know. so because they probably would have known the name, which means they would have known the number of the person he was right. And then I don't know, was he persuaded by being like rugby tackled, which is like hundred yards before the finish or something? I hope, I hope so. so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Organisers of the actual winner, a third man called John Butters, lost out on the day amid confusion, while the two runners who should have been presented with second and third prizes uh, were not given their prizes. So the what actual winner. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If you're gonna if you're gonna bandit a race and use someone else's number, don't bloody win it. Yeah. There's some more yeah. tips here from the podcast. If you're gonna cheat in a race, don't win. That's the thing. Like I will say, I will tell everyone, I have used somebody else's number at a race. It I mean, was we probably all have at some point. And it was we? like six years ago, ban me if you want, become not bothered, I'm never doing a road half marathon again. Ban <laughs> me, I don't care. Um, but yeah, one of my friends was injured and she said, do you want my place? And I was like, yeah, because I'm not going to win. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, it does, like, I, I guess it does matter in a way. But but it's Swansea half marathon. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to win. Who cares? But if you, you can't, like, it, well, not only did, did the did the person who won, like, you know, um, had a had this had a different bib, but it's like the second. How how does that happen? How does the first and second person yeah. not have the correct bib? And especially when the he knew he wasn't allowed to compete, and he was still like competing up front and trying to race this other person. That's the thing. If if they'd been further back, maybe they would have just turned a blind eye to it and thought, yeah, oh, it well, really I don't think they be, they probably wouldn't have even known. Yeah. You would have just been fine. You wouldn't have been disqualified, presumably, from all of their races. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, weird people. <laughs> right, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? I need to do some very, very long stuff. I haven't been doing proper long runs. Uh, so tomorrow I'm going to try and go and do 20 miles. It is now less than four <gasps> weeks until Meriden. Have you got your route, oh. like, nailed down? Have you got your yes. route sorted? And I've, okay. I've, yeah, the route's kind of been sorted for a while. What I've been doing now is going through and researching where all the toilets are, where the shops are, where the pubs are, where the cafes are. Not only what time they open in the morning, but what time they close at night. Yes. That is how weird the researchers get. So, okay, so this shop is open at 7. I should be there by then. This shop I don't get to until 8 p.m. It might be closed by then. <laughs> God, that is Where so are you much heading to towards about. again? Is it Bristol or? Uh, I'm basically heading through Solihull, Droitwich Spa, Worcester, Malvern, Ledbury, Ross on Wye. Hopefully, kind of towards Monmouth is the plan. Nice. So yeah, that's pretty set. I've got lots of toilets uh, mapped out, and I've got links to Google Maps. So I'll have that all on my phone, so I'll know where all the toilets are. I'll know where I can buy food. Hopefully, I'll be fine. Less than four weeks. Shit. How about you? <laughs> uh. uh- in comparison nothing i am just trying to train a bit for the half marathon that i'm doing the celtic trail race which is ages away now not really got anything 
before that, I'm going to go and drive out places on the Wait. weekends and stuff. Go up some mountains and shit. Now I can I can go places. I am free. Oh, I'm so excited for you to do some proper runs. Some I proper know. trail runs. I know, I know. I'll be up there. I'll be up a mountain, middle of nowhere. Yeah, so stay off the roads on Sunday mornings if you're in the Cardiff area. That's best. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the bullshit... Please visit runningisbs.com. You can see the show notes and the links from this episode, the whole back catalogue as well, if you want. Uh, you can also click on our links to our mate. You can also click on links to our Patreon, to our merch store, and our social medias. Thank you very much. And I'm even and all this six coming out.